Before we get to the podcast, I have a gift for you. I love bringing hope to you each week through this podcast. Hope is such a beautiful gift and one that I definitely like to share. For the times in my life when I needed hope, I open my Bible and allow God's Word to speak to me. As a gift of hope to you, I've created a prayer journal, Seven Days to Refuel Your Hope. This journal shares my journey through some of the most hopeless times in my life and the biblical verses that brought me back to hopefulness. My prayer for you is that this journal will help you to refuel, refresh, and realign your hope. You can download this free journal by visiting my website, dianebells.com, or clicking on the link in the show notes. A wife, a mom, a business owner, maybe one of these? How about all three of them? Are you struggling to find balance in your life? If so, continue to listen. My guest today, Michelle Fisher, is going to share with us her story of moving from an unbalanced, out-of-control life into something that is peaceful and balanced with better relationships. Thanks so much, Michelle, for pulling into the Hope Station. Thanks, Diane, for the opportunity. So let's just start a little bit because this story you told me previously starts with your son and something that tragically happened to him. If you could just put us there and then walk us through that hopeless situation you were faced with and what you've done to get to where you are now. Okay. So about seven and a half years ago, my son was a happy, healthy uh, teenager you know, straight A student, all advanced classes, uh, played soccer, you know, great kid. And he literally went downhill in a couple hours. The doctors thought initially he had had a stroke um, because he lost cognitive function. He lost a lot of different functions in his body um, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. They ruled out that it was a stroke. Um, Well, where did this happen at? Where did this incident with your son, where was he when Oh, he, he, it was, it was uh, November 11th of 2014. He, we were out to lunch and he just started having problems. Um, so you were just eating, eating lunch and your son. Yeah, he just, he started having problems communicating. He started, um, just not acting himself. Um, and just like, I just see him declining, you know, like physically. Um, and it, it just, was like this eye-opening experience. Like, what do I do? Where do we go from here? Um, And it just seemed to get progressively worse that we ended up at urgent care. Urgent care sent us to the ER. And by the time he got to the ER, he couldn't even read. He couldn't, you know, do basic math. Like, um, he couldn't remember anything. He couldn't even talk. Um, So it was just, just as a mom, it was crazy because he was fine just a couple hours before. Um, that has to be so devastating, you know, just to f- see that, like, I'm, I'm sitting there in a restaurant with you and watching. I, I don't know what I, I would do. So what what happened once he was in the hospital? Well, they did some tests and they basically said, hey, he didn't have a stroke. They sent us home, said, watch him. The next day he couldn't even dress himself. So I took him to the children's hospital. They did a bunch more tests and um, kept him in the hospital for a few days and um, they couldn't figure out what was going on. He was in and out of the hospital um, for the next month. And um, finally, somebody said, well, we think he maybe had viral encephalitis. 
Um, but we're not totally sure because they didn't do the right kind of test, the fir- first hospitalization. Um, so it just brought us on this whole journey of trying to figure out what was going on with him. Um, he continued to be in and out of the hospital. I had a bag packed. I'd never, ever ridden an ambulance. I've ridden in more ambulances than I can care to admit. Never had, had called 911 for a child before. Unfortunately, he's had to do that. Um, so it just a very emotional time period. Um, as a mom, like you want to help your kid. And I couldn't, Absolutely. I couldn't, you know, fix anything because the doctors couldn't even figure out um, what to do. I mean, we brought him literally all over trying to get answers. Mail Clinic brought him to NYU. We've got tests done at Columbia Presbyterian. We brought him to Yale. We brought him all over the place um, trying to get the answers that we needed um, even brought him to a, a doctoral presentation. They presented his case in California. Um, so, you know, like the- you were doing a whole lot. Did you ever come get an answer to this rapid decline? Well, we get little like pieces here and there, um, mm-hmm. but nobody like could say, Hey, this is your fix it. Um, you know, a, a few years after everything started, you know, even Mayo Clinic is like, Oh, this is part of it. Um, you know, but they're like, we don't know everything that's, that's going on. We can't pinpoint what's going on, but we think that this may fix it. Well, what they, you know, said this autonomic dysfunction played a little bit of the part in it, but nobody looked at like nerve testing. Nobody looked at like a lot of this other things. So about two and a half years in, he got diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease. But again, it still didn't answer all the questions because his body still kept attacking itself in other ways. Um, so, so what, kind of, a, what were these attacks? What ha- what was happening? What were you seeing that you had to call 911 and rush him to the hospital? Well, like he would have problems breathing or one time he would just, his body just started um, like shutting down or like he would have um, blood and situations where you shouldn't have blood. Um, you know, his, um, body just like would just decline rapidly, like his functions, um, like almost, um, like, I I don't know. I just remember the, the ambulance the one time the guys were just like trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? Cause you know, just, he was declining just so rapidly, um, you know, was he losing consciousness or losing ability? I'm just trying to get a picture. Yeah, I mean, there was some consciousness, um, right. you know, going in and out. There was some, you know, bodily functions were having issues, you know. Um, you know, he had problems with this, you know, his heart rate at points and times, you know, different times. He would pass out repeatedly. Um, you know, he just, uh, I mean, they're different different situations all the time. I mean, just, and and that was the weird part is, is that there was no rhyme or reason that these things would happen. I mean, his gallbladder stopped working and, you know, his, he had problems with his kidneys and his bladder and, you know, digestive system issues and, you know, like all different, it attacked, you know, like he kept getting staph infections and they couldn't figure out why. And, um, you know, all kinds of weird things that are not common. Well, even when you're, you're looking at it, it looks like something you, when you're saying it, I'm seeing something in his body just saying, well, let's go here. Now let's go here. Let's go here. 
that you could see the confusion, both from the doctors and your standpoint. How was your son during this period of time? Being a teenager is tough enough. Yeah, he just um, felt like, you know, everybody had given up on him. He lost basically all his friends. You know, he's a freshman in high school when he got sick and nobody's stopped calling him. You know, people stopped coming by, Um, you know, his, his, you know, sister became, you know, his biggest confidant, which was great. But, you know, it's really sad when he feels like nobody cares about him. So that was really hard. Um, you know, as his mom, he knew I was batting for him and I would do anything. Um, but, you know, it's hard for me because like I didn't take care of myself. You know, my world revolved around sleeping next to him and doing all these things for him, you know, um, which took a toll on me personally as well. You know, and on my relationships, not only with my husband, but friends and family and and that kind of thing. So, you know, it was yeah, just it's overall, right. you know, my relationship with my daughter suffered as well, you know. Because I mean, they become the center point of your life at that. Yes. So what yeah. happened, you know, your, your story, how is he doing now? Just a Well, right now, fortunately, he's, he's stable. I mean, he gets monthly infusions. Um, he gets about 20... Four hours every twenty-eight days of in medication, um, uh, you know, to help keep him stable. And there's still issues that he has. He gets, you know, we have to go get treatments at the doctors for other things. And there's still things that they don't know. Still more tests that they're running. His cognitive function still isn't there, unfortunately. Like he can't do math. His uh, memory is still not the best. And I mean, he had scored fives on our FCAT, which is like the highest you could get at the time. And he can't even do simple math problems. He can't even do like two plus two, you know, so. So that just watching your, your son in this decline had to have a major impact, like you said, on yourself and your family. So what was your turning point? Are you, are you still feeling hopeless or what, how are you feeling right now, Michelle, with all this? Well, Diane, I think the thing is, it's like, I didn't realize the toll it was taking on me, you okay. know, and about two and a half years ago, like it took such a toll that I ended up, um, you know, I got up in the middle of the night to go check on him and go to the bathroom, which was common. And I ended up passing out and getting a concussion. My husband heard a noise, but he didn't think anything about it. He's like, you know, he's like, I didn't see anything. So I just went back to sleep. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that opened this whole new, oh my gosh, you know, what's wrong with Michelle? So I ended up going and they were trying to figure out what had happened because I don't even know how long I was passed out for. Um, and a few weeks later, you know, got in with a cardiologist who went and did cardiac testing at the hospital and, um, my EKG, I guess it was looked great. And they were doing some other testing. And during the other testing, my heart actually stopped for eight seconds. And that was probably the biggest wake up call of this whole thing, because I'm like, oh my gosh, if I'm not around, who's going to take care of my son? Right. Because like, I'm his caregiver, like, you know. If something happens to me, you know, who's going to advocate for him? So that was like my biggest turning point of I have to take care of me, you know, 
and I have to make some changes and I have to do it now. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to find a coach. You know, I didn't even know what a life coach was. I didn't even know like, but I was like, I got to find somebody to help me out of this because. (laughs) So what was the out of this that you were in that you knew you needed to get out of? I think the the things that you were seeing. I think the biggest thing is, is I just, I put everybody before me. I wasn't taking care of myself. Like, you know, I wasn't, you know, exercising and doing a lot of the things that I had done before. And I just, everything revolved around him. And that's just not, it's not a healthy way to live. I mean, there has to be a balance. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like I had shared, my relationships were suffering and, you know, it just wasn't a good, fortunately, I'm blessed to have a supportive husband. But, you know, I mean, there's only so much you can take. Um, So, so, and like I said, my daughter, the relationship with that just really, it was right before her senior year of high school. And it just had taken such a a toll on her. She was pulling away, um, which was devastating. So you, so you had relationships suffering. You felt like your life was definitely out of balance. Anything else that was going on that you said this, obviously you're, you, you were having your own health issues. Anything else that was just out of whack that you said this, I need to do something for myself, which it does sound selfish as a mother, but as as you said, we have, we have to be, we have to be whole and healthy so that we can be whole and healthy for the people who aren't that need, that need our support, that need our care. Yeah. I think the, the biggest wake up call, like I said, was just when my heart stopped for eight seconds and to have uh, a lady, a nurse whisper in my ear, Hey honey, yes, the code blue button didn't work, but you were never in any danger. The paddles were just outside. Like, you know, that was like, what do you mean the paddles were just outside? Like I was ace destily, like holy Toledo. Like I didn't have nothing for eight seconds. Like, well, what, what, what did they say was the cause of that? Just the, they, they think that I reacted to what it was that they were doing at the time. They think I may have reacted to, they had um, given me something and they think I may have reacted to what they had given me. So you Um, went to the hospital after the concussion or. No, this was during, I was actually at the hospital for cardiac testing. Um, oh, okay. Just, so, I, just yeah, they were going through. Anything. Okay. Yeah, they were going through, they were trying to figure out why I had passed out. So they were doing mm-hmm. various cardiac tests to see if maybe I was having like a blood pressure okay. issue or something was going on with my heart that could have caused me to pass out. Um, Good. And so, yeah, they said yeah. I had low blood pressure because of all this, but, you know. Well, what- what do you think was going on within your body that would cause it just to go, you know, you, you had your own haywire moment there. I think I was just living on like this cortisol high. Like I was just in a constant, you know, flight mode, you know, I mean, I was just constantly trying to take care of my son and just on pins and needles waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, I mean, I, always had a bag packed for the hospital. I never felt like I could plan anything out. Um, I couldn't have a life because I didn't know when my son would need me. Well, what do you mean by a cortisol high? So I just help me understand that a little bit better. 
Well, you know, we all have different hormones in our body. And, you know, when you need like that boost of adrenaline, your cortisol elevates, you know, and I always felt like I was needing that boost of adrenaline all the time because like there always seemed to be something that he needed me for. Like there was, he, you know, would pass out or he would do this that would happen or he would do like, there never seemed to be, you know, a down time where there wasn't something happening, um, you know, or if there was, it was like, okay, he had a good day or he had an okay day. What's tomorrow going to be like? I mean, he's had so many surgeries and so many different things that have happened. Right. That, you know, so being on constant alert was making your cortisol run. And that can just be like, you're, you're, you're revving the engine every single day. And you could see where your systems are starting to, you're having your own systems shut down. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think, you know, I don't know if a doctor would say that, but that's what I felt like was happening. I think you have to, uh, what I found is that we have to be understanding what's going on because the doctors are there for a short window of time. We have to be the one who's diagnosing what's going on in our life. So you said that this was like your, your tipping point, your heart stopped. You knew you had to do something. So you decided to find something called a life coach. Why did you opt for that and not some other kind of, of um, intervention or, or treatment? I don't know. For some reason, like I was like, I have to find out what a life coach does. Um, you know, I was like, I, I had heard the phrase a few months before and it was like, I want to know what this kind of person does. And, um, I came across somebody and, and I was like, oh, I really like that. Um, and she was very helpful and whatever. And I was like, that's something I want to do. So I ended up, you know, within hiring her to be my coach within a short period of time, ended up going through her training program that was like a year long program to become a certified life coach. Cause I realized, Oh my gosh, not only could she help me, but then I can help other people and being, you know, former elementary school teacher, like I loved helping people. So okay. it kind of, you know, fit that need as well. And um, it gave me a lot of coping skills that I think I realized I needed at the time as well, which I so think what, was what type of coping skills were, were they what did she impart on you or your, your training help you with? I think the biggest thing was looking at my mindset. Um, you know, I didn't look at how I was letting my situations impact how my mind would go. Like, okay. you know, certain triggers, like I would hear a siren and immediately that would cause me to spiral. Um, and with getting the coaching and then getting the training, realizing, okay, when I hear a, a siren, whether it's a fire truck or an ambulance, it doesn't need me to cause me to spiral. That's just a sound. My, well, what my is this? son's not going there, you know? Okay. Well, what, it, what does a spiral look like for you when you were in this? You you would hear a siren and where would you go? I'm, I'm thinking spiraling down. What did that look like or feel like? Um, for me, it would just be like, okay, are they coming to our house? Like, is Samuel okay? Like, um, uh, do I need to go check on him? Um, you know, uh, uh, what what's the situation like? Are, do I have to move something so that they can come into the house? 
um, you know, what is his, his blood pressure like? What is his pulse, you know, like, like I go into this whole, you know, like semi nurse mode, um, you know, like I know what his normal stats are. I know where, you know, like I would travel with a blood pressure with a pulse ox meter and, you know, stuff that not normal parents would travel with or, you know. Okay. So when you would hear it, it would trigger that response, but it was putting you again into that fight or flight. Like I got to do something, even though everything was okay at that point with your son. So what were some of the things that they were helping you with your, your mindset? So not how, how do you shut that off if you've been doing it now for five years? I think the biggest thing is looking at my thought and coming up with like a new thought or even like a neutral thought. Like for me, I couldn't come up with a new thought. I had to come up with a new, th- a neutral thought, like my son's okay. Like he's okay right now. That noise doesn't impact me. My son okay. is okay. You know, that it didn't have to cause me to go into this panic mode. My son's okay. That's not for me. <laughs> so, as, Right. And as a tech person, when you're looking at, you were programming your mind for five plus years that you would see something, then you would react to something. And then this ambulance would show up and then all the, you know, this whole trickle down effect. So it was like it, you were already, you you programmed your mind when this happens, then I have to do all of these other things. And then you had to almost decode it through your coaching so that you could see, oh, wait a minute, I don't have to do that. I can reprogram it. And part of that reprogramming was, as you said, a neutral thought. Right. You know, and and then once I got through, okay, I can hold a neutral thought, then it was, okay, now I can move on to not only just a neutral thought, I can go into a positive, you know, thought, a new thought of, you know, my son's improving. Okay. My son, he's going to be getting better. You know, my son, he's not going to go to the hospital, my son, you know, and so every step of the way it was, you know, I felt like, each step I was taking was a positive step and was changing my mindset. You know, it helped me to realize, okay, I see these blocks that I'm encountering and we all have blocks in our life. We all have yeah. these, you know, things and it helped me to realize I'm not the only one, <laughs> you know, other people have those as well. And, right. you know, if I can do this, I can help other people to do that. And like you said, I mean, it's not just in life, but it's in technology, it's in business, it's in, you know, we all have some kind of hurdle that we have to overcome. So, to do all that. Well, it sounds like even you, you had to create a whole new step-by-step process. You had the old process and response. Then you created the new step-by-step process. When this happens, then I have to just reprogram your mind. So by, by working on that, by shifting your mindset, what, what changed for you, Michelle? I think the biggest thing that changed is I got so much peace, you know, Mm. I think that that was the biggest thing is that, you know, I can hear an ambulance go by and there's not this anxiety. There's not this worry, you know, there's this, okay, my son's here. He's fine. You know, I got to pray for those people, (laughs) you know, like there's a whole different, there's a whole different way of of viewing it now. Um, Mm. There's just a, a, a whole different switch. You know, it's not just the mindset, but it's just a, okay, 
he's okay, but now I need to pray for whatever else is going on that's causing that ambulance or that siren, you know, um, which I think is, is huge. And then, um, you know, it's helping other people, like I said, even within our family unit with dealing with situations when they happen. Um, so the, so the coaching from what you're saying, how did that improve your relationships? Um, it made a, a big difference, especially with my daughter, because, mm-hmm. um, I was able to focus that time on her and listening to her. I think, you know, as a teenager, she needed to know that her mom listened and cared about what was going on, you okay. know, did things that were important to her, you know, scheduling time, um, doing different things. And, you know, even just, um, on Tuesday, she said to us, um, she's like, you know, I don't know even how to thank you guys for what you're doing. She's like, I just can't put into words for, for what you've done for me. She's like, I'm just so very thankful. Um, she's like, I just love you so much, you know, and it's just, it's crazy to me. I mean, we would do date nights, you know, we would do activities. Um, and she would be like, okay, does this count for our our date time for this period of time? Or do we have to schedule something else? Or, you know, um, you know, we would purposely schedule that time. Um, so I think that it just, it completely, you know, and even my husband and my relationship, it's completely, it's, like we've fallen back in love like we were, you know, 20 plus years ago. So it just, it helped me to realize how I needed to change the way I was viewing things and invest back into the people who I love and care about. You know, I've been doing that into my son, but, you know, I started first with my family and then into my friends and other people. Okay. So you feel your life is back in balance or more balanced than it was before? Oh, it's so much more balanced than even it was before he got sick. You know, the relationships are better. The communication is better, um, mm. you know, which I think is important. So I'm, I'm hearing that fabulous quote, God works all things for good <laughs> for those who are called according, you know, love him and are called according to his purpose. So this is where so often we think that these hardships in our life, that it's destines us for a life of continued hardships and you were able to take a a firm stop you know your heart stopped you took a firm stop and then you said i need to stop doing some things and start doing some things differently and just how all of that changed so how does that help you going through that situation that you've been through which is you know incredible. I had my own challenges with my own children, uh, with my, my daughter, especially who had uh, passed away. But during that time of just feeling like you're doing everything to keep them alive and it's not in our hands, I guess that's the best way I I can put it for myself. Very different circumstances, but very, I, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be in that spiral, to feel like you're constantly on cortisol. And when you look at these triggers in the cortisol, and then you're saying you you got to this place of peace, was it just the coaching or was there other things that you had in your life or developed in your life to make that peace a central focus for your life? Well, I think the coaching was one 
thing. You know, I attended um, Abundance uh, last summer in July. And um, one of the things that um, Megan had talked a lot about was, you know, forgiving people and, you know, going through a lot of different exercises to bring that forgiveness in because I've been a caregiver my whole life. My mom has had 25 plus surgeries and I'm the oldest of three kids. So I've been a caregiver basically my whole life. And there was a lot of resentment that was there. Um, Mm -hmm. with basically, I mean, my brother is seven years younger than I am changing diapers and putting him to bed and, you know, all these things that, you know, I had a checking account at 10, 11 years old, you know, most 10, 11 year olds wouldn't have to go buy groceries and, you know, all these things, you know, it's not normal stuff. And when we worked through all these things and I had people pray for me and just was able to release that forgiveness and just be able to move on and, you know, they encouraged us to write a letter and just start talking and reading that letter out loud. And, you know, I started getting, I had been getting coaching, but, and, um, I started getting, you know, a different, I, I'm still, I work with two coaches now, um, and, and started getting, you know, weekly coaching, um, from Katie. It just really has helped me to, um, hit on different areas of my life that I needed to work through. Um, so that I was able to address, you know, like when I had health struggles, you know, that I felt like I still wasn't addressing that I was like, I'm making this a priority. And when I made myself a priority taking care of my own health, that made me feel more empowered so that I was able to realize, Hey, I can empower my clients to say, Hey, you can make those choices. You can give yourself the power that you need to do X, Y, and Z. And that's why, like, even with technology, a lot of times I don't mind building funnels and building stuff for people, but I like to teach them how to update it or change it or do email sequences because I want to empower them to be able to take over if they want to that. Because I think it's so needed to know that, hey, it's not that difficult. You know, we can all overcome these a lot of times it's just that mind block, like, oh my gosh, tech is so hard. Um, <laughs> you know, so with reading the letter, it helped, but with, you know, that forgiveness piece, that was just like a huge, a huge thing. Well, you, you say you, you pray for the ambulance. So my guess is you have faith is part of your life. How much a part of it is it? And was forgiveness sort of um, more, obvious to you because of that faith? I don't know where we would be without um, our faith. Our We changed churches uh, probably about six months before our son got sick. And every single time our son would go to the emergency room or even to the hospital, our church was there um, bringing us, you know, coming for prayer or bringing us food or that kind of thing. And I'd never been involved in a church like that. And it was like, that opened my eyes to a way a church could be. And I mean, I've gone to church my whole life, various different denominations and that kind of thing. Um, So I feel like, you know, through this whole thing, it opened my eyes to what real Christian faith was like, Um, you know, and the forgiveness I feel like was just one of those steps that I needed to do to walk through, you know, to, 
part of the healing process, a part of, right. you know, what I needed to do to move on from all this stuff that was going on so that I'm able to help people because I feel like, you know, Joyce Meyer says hurting people hurt people. And I was so full of hurt from everything I've gone through, through my childhood. And then through even hearing from this children's hospital that, you know, it was all in his head when I came back with proof from Mayo Clinic and from NYU and from Columbia Presbyterian and from Yale saying, look, we have tests that show that he has things wrong with him, you know, and I bring that to the children's hospital and they'd still be like, no, I'm sorry. From one doctor's opinion, his very first hospitalization, um, you know, it's just there was that- an forgiveness of. Right. Of all the people who've, who've spoken these things into your life. Well, let's go before unforgiveness. How did, how did that feel? Go from a coach's standpoint, where in your body were you feeling it? And then what happened with this forgiveness? What happened, you know, body, mind, and spirit when that, when you continue to release these people? Well, I think probably like when it comes to like his care, probably one of the biggest unforgiveness things was, is he was hospitalized at the children's hospital. I don't even know how many hospitalizations in, and um, he was being treated and he had an NG tube in and it ended up coming out and he asked for just a half an hour break before they put it back in. And the doctor, it happened at like 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And the doctor said, no, we're going to discharge you. And he's like, I just need a half an hour, you know, and here he is a teenager trying to advocate for his self-care because I've been, I mean, for his own care, because I've been teaching him that. And this, he asked to talk to the doctor and the attending, you know, and the resident and the attending. And they basically said, no, I'm sorry, we're discharging you. I'm like, can we at least stay until the rounds in the morning? They're like, no. So um, they discharged us at like two o'clock in the morning. And I signed the paper saying, I do not agree. And I told my husband, I said, if God forbid something happens to us on the way home, because I had not gotten any sleep. Um, you know, cause it's two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. I said, you sue the heck out of the hospital. And I couldn't believe that somebody that was supposed to be helping my kid could be so mean, <laughs> you know, and could not listen. Yeah. So it just compounded that unforgiveness. And when I was able to say, I forgive that doctor for not listening, for not understanding for not being compassionate. Like it was so freeing because they don't know how I was feeling. They know I was frustrated, but they didn't know. But when I was able to even share that with my son of saying, Hey, you know, this person, we don't agree with their choice, but you know, we need to love them and we need to pray for them. So it doesn't happen to somebody else. And they they lose uh, perspective. They're dealing with it all the time, like they're becoming numb. And I I know that uh, when my husband was in the hospital after his heart attack, and he never regained consciousness, and I'm in there talking to the doctors like, well, is there anything else you could do? I thought like since they were reviving him, that was a sign from God he's to continue. 
And this one nurse was saying, like, I, I don't, she, not nurse, it was a doctor being very short, like, why don't you just let him go, you know, just let him go or whatever. And I'm saying, this is my husband. I, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Can we give him a chance? Just give him a chance. And I don't usually, um, you know, for me, losing my temper, that's what it sounds like. It's, and I felt bad as we d- made a decision to let him go and take off. Um, he, he was just on oxygen support, not much else. And I saw the doctor again and I go, I just want to apologize. I think I, when we first met, I was a little short with you. And she says, oh, don't even offer an apology. I forgot that there is a person in that bed and other people love him. And I witness, I'm going to cry these last seven days, how many people loved your husband. Thank you for the lesson and why we decided to become doctors. They forget it's become an administrative, a profit center. And it's, they lost the reason why they went to be a doctor and that is to help and heal others. And those others are m- more often than not, not just the patient, but the parents, the spouse, the children, whoever else is involved. And it is a shame because we're suffering more from that, of that being dismissed, you know, your son being dismissed, telling him it's all on his head. We're like, Really? There's medical proof that it's not something happened to my son and we have to be advocates and that's exhausting as well. So I I've experienced that myself and it is, maybe I need to put that on my list of forgiveness (laughs) of just how people, yeah, they, they, they don't know. They don't know. So where are you you now? So you now have this new business. What got you started in coaching and in that IT world? You said you were a teacher before. You like to help. Yeah. Why space? So I got my degree in um, both computer programming with business um, years ago. I did that for a while before I became an elementary school teacher because I just felt like that that was something that I could eventually do once I had kids. Um, and I did that up until right before my son got sick. Um, you know, before he started high school, um, the school I was working at was an extended day school. And literally when they were middle school, I woke them up and I would go to work and they would get home like, and I wouldn't get home until an hour after they would get home from school. So I was like, I didn't want his high school to be like that. I wanted to be around more for him. So I decided to substitute teach when he went to high school, which was shortly before he got sick. But um, I decided, you know, to become a coach once my life changed with my health. And I did life coaching for a while. And you know, I had, somebody had told me you should be a caregiver coach and it, it was still too raw to, mm-hmm. because I'm dealing right. with it on a, a ba- daily basis. Um, you know, even like last, a few weeks ago, we had an issue with his nurse got sick, his normal nurse got sick and we had to have a substitute nurse and then she did things crazy. So, and, um, again, it taught me a whole lot about, you know, working with different people, um, you know, and and I was 
and even she said, she's like, you had a very warm and welcoming home. And I mean, I went out of my way to make her feel good, but I realized how routines that we set up with our normal nurse weren't in place, even though I tried to set things up, you know? So, um, I, with doing life coaching, I realized that there was such a need with, with coaching for people that needed that tech. And, you know, I actually, got frustrated myself with some of the tech stuff. And I'm like, why am I so frustrated? Well, a funnel I had gotten was so complicated. I'm like, it doesn't have to be this complicated. And so I try to encourage people to have more simplistic stuff, you know, to have a funnel because not everybody listening would under even understand what that is unless they're pouring something from a bigger (laughs) bottle. So a funnel is basically a way for you to get information from somebody. So maybe you want them to give you an email address or register for an event or buy a product. You can have a funnel to buy a product. Um, Maybe it's a a funnel to, you know, direct them to get more information from you, you know, to give you more information, Um, you know. So basically the difference between like a website is you're educating somebody and a funnel is more to get information from somebody in my perspective. Um, Okay. So that's why when I'm on Facebook and they're showing the weight loss things and I click it, they immediately want me to give my email. That's part of a funnel. Correct. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, um, you know, and, and to me, it doesn't have to be this complicated thing. You can give basic, you know, points of features and benefits. And if you want to do a video, great. And then just get their email or get them to register for an event or, you know, even, sorry, my dog's <laughs> dreaming over here. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a good one. <laughs> so, but, you know, it doesn't have to be this complicated thing. Like a lot of right. people think tech has to be super complicated. And, you know, I just like to try to make it, maybe it's an elementary school teacher in me, to break it down in a way that somebody can understand in a simple way. And again, mm-hmm. like I shared, I like to empower my clients a lot of times too with these are the steps that you can take. So you can take over management if you want to, or I can continue to take care of something for you. Um, well, you see how nothing is ever lost in, in God's, God's, God's space. So even when you're going back and saying, I decided that I was going to quit my full-time job so I could do more substitute teaching so I could be available for my son. You had no idea what was coming down the track. So then you you have your elementary school teaching, you have your IT degree and experience there. And then during the space of you taking care of your son, you know, then all of a sudden saying, you know, Michelle, we need to get your attention. So we're just going to get your heart to stop for a few seconds, just a few seconds. And as the nurse whispered in your ear, you're okay. Everything was okay. My guess is that was like an angel nurse. So it's like, tell her she's okay. And then you making that decision, like things have to change. And you, you, you made a, a decision. You made a choice. I'm feeling hopeless. I'm feeling my health is at risk. My relationships are at risk. You made a choice that things needed to change. And you weren't trying to change any of the circumstances. Your son couldn't get better. Your daughter couldn't couldn't not be a teenager. You know, all these others. You decided to take charge of your life and really work on your mindset. And, and from there, just look how every piece fits into this beautiful puzzle 
that's now Michelle's life and career. And everything needed to happen for it to, to be that way. And even to say, after all of this, you have better relationships. You're feeling better. You're you're forgiving. This is just a very powerful story of nothing is lost in God's economy. Yeah. And, and even, you know, like I found out in December that I needed to have a major surgery in January. And I literally, just as I was starting to get this, you know, new tech and business coaching, like really starting to take flight that I was going to need to, I thought, okay, I could take two weeks off, you know, because the doctors were like, oh, you're going to bounce back. It's going to be no big deal. I ended up taking almost two months off. And I'm like, my business is going to like go away. And literally that was probably one of the best things that could have happened because I was able to, um, really focus on myself and really focus on, okay, I need to take care of myself and healing my body and Mm -hmm. really focus on what's important to me, you know, um, and prioritize where am I going to spend my time? What am I going to do? You know, and really evaluate, okay, I'm involved in these different in programs, what's really important, what's going to help me get from point A to point B. Um, and it really, that time period was like, I really had to like reach out to God and be like, God, I don't understand. Everybody's saying that I should rebounce back and it's not taking, it's taking so much longer, Mm -hmm. you know, and even two weeks out from my surgery, the surgeon's like, Hey, things aren't healing the way they're supposed to. I think I might have to do another surgery. I'm like, dude, you've already had three hour surgery. Like, I don't want you going back in. And, and it was just like, I mean, I reached out to everybody and said, please pray for me when I go back in two weeks that he won't have to do another surgery. And it just was like getting on my face and being like, okay, God, like I give up, you know, I'm not going to push it anymore. I'm just going to, you know, be more cognitive of what's going on and I'm going to just trust you. And, you know, March and April were the best sales that I've ever had, you know, and after not doing anything for two months, you know, I've got this, Michelle, just take care of yourself. How many times do I have to tell you? You know, and, and and I just, I literally was like, how is this even going to happen? Um, and, you know, and to hear like Coach Katie tell me, she's like, Michelle, you're just, you encourage me, you know, you, you listen, you implement, you do what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, that I'm coachable. I think that that's the key, you know. That is the key that we're willing to accept responsibilities. And as you say, coachable, I'm going to listen to others' advice and, and see what's going to happen. But this is just such a, a beautiful story, Michelle, of just faith, hope, and love. I'm going to call it that. Maybe it needs to be the faith, hope, and love station. <laughs> but, you know, your love for your son, your your love for your 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 daughter and your husband and just even feeling the way that you're treating your clients, it's with love because I want to empower them. So, so many people in your business would say, well, I'm going to make sure that they can't figure out how to do anything themselves. So they're always sort of attached to me. You're saying, I want to empower you so you can feel less frustrated and more capable and you're going to be more successful in doing that. 
So what would you offer as, uh, let's see, three points of advice for anyone in your, who was in your situation that you got to the bottom and saying, you know, life has to change? What's some things that you would advise them to do maybe before they hit the bottom? I think the first thing is definitely look at your self-care. You know, I didn't have any self-care routine, no nothing. Um, And if I would have invested in some kind of self-care, I think that that would have made a world of difference. Um, You know, so I've made that a priority. I mean, first thing I do, you know, four to five days a week is exercise and take care of myself. Um, Okay. You know, so another thing would be is to definitely make sure that you have, um, you know, faith in your quiet time and um, really lean into to God, because um, even though like and, you know, it was funny because there were times I'd go to the chapel when my son was in the hospital and I'd just be like, God, I don't understand And our pastor a few weeks ago talked about how sometimes we get mad at God Mm -hmm. and that's okay. We just need to ask him to forgive us for getting mad at him because we don't see the big picture. You know, we just need to lean in and just know that he knows it all. Like we don't know why things happen. We just need to trust him and know that if we lean into him, that he's going to work it all out. And then the last thing is, is that, you know, whether it comes to business or life or whatever, is to definitely hire a coach or hire somebody to kind of help you work through whatever it is. Because I feel like without a coach, I couldn't work through a lot of the feelings and the emotions and a lot of the things that I had going on because I didn't know how to tackle a lot of the things. I needed somebody to kind of help me work through a lot of the situations that I was dealing with because I didn't know the depth of a lot of the issues I was having. You know, I didn't know how to, you know, I needed an outsider to kind of say, Hey, have you thought about this? Or, you know, let's work a little deeper and ask me a couple more questions about this. And, you know, something I was dealing with, it may not even be this actual situation. It may be having to deal with something that happened in childhood, that I was, you know, you know, basically connecting, like being a caregiver brought back all these feelings of things that happened in my childhood that I needed to deal with, you know? So with having a coach, it just really helped me on a a whole different level that I don't think I would have been able to, to get to the place where I am now. Okay. So it is that three prong approach. And when you look at so often we, you know, it just feels like new agey self-care. <laughs> we we have a body, a mind and spirit, and it has to be in good working order. And from what you're saying, you know, the body part was you're, you're doing exercise. The spirit part is very much, you know, having that alignment, that relationship with God, and then your mind part. And that's where the coach comes in. And you can see that, that triune, <laughs> Uh, taking care of yourself really has to take care of all three. can't be just one. And you can see that some people are doing one aspect of it. They're not doing those other two pieces, which really is like that wobbly stool. You say three-legged stool, all three pieces have to be in place for us to be whole and 
you know, to continue the healing process. So thank you, Michelle. This was a very wonderful conversation. Thank you for coming into the Hope Station, for sharing hope with all of us that even when, you know, your son is not healed, but you're still hopeful, you're, you haven't given up and you've turned your life around. You've turned it into, to, as you said, better relationships. You're, you have a new business that you sound excited about, that it's helping other people. And even in the midst of these hopeless times, there is hope for us. So, so thank you for sharing your beautiful story of hope. Thank you, Diane, for the opportunity. Yeah, I, I just, you know, every day I still continue to pray for his, his healing. And again, you know, I know God can heal him in supernaturally. He can heal him through doctors, you know, or it can just be a process or he may just decide it's, you know, something that he has to deal with. And I'm okay with, with that. You know, it's, it's just one of those, it's, it goes back to the mindset. Um, but I yeah. think that it, it's just, I'm very thankful that, um, uh, you know, two plus years ago, I decided to hire a coach to help me work through all this because, uh, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. And, um, I'm thankful that I'm able to help other people because I think that that's a huge, a huge part of it as well. Um, because like you said, I can share that hope with other people, both right. in the tech and with the coaching aspect. And I think that that's um, important that people, they don't get stuck in that feeling like there is no hope regardless of what the situation looks like. Um, right. You know, Without they don't have hope, to stay stuck. <laughs> Well, it is, it's just even the, the power of hope. And when, when I'm studied even to, to you know, I, I didn't name this, God did. But when I, I look at that, um, how powerful and important it is. And we all have something that we have done our whole life. And that's why I call that hope is my blessing. It's something that I bring. It's something that I do. I don't even, it, it's just part of it. And when we can understand that, you know, through that God has designed us in a special way. He's designed your son in a special way that these special times sometimes are crafted and molded through the hardships that we've had. And it's just, that's the power of story. Uh, Someone else is going to relate to your story, Michelle, and say, I needed to hear that. I do love good transformational stories that are based on faith, hope, and love And with Michelle's story, an extra ingredient called coaching. Coaching was definitely a life changer for Michelle, really putting her life back into balance and improving her relationships with her children, with her husband, with herself, and with her God. So if you would love to experience the power of coaching, let me know. In my show notes, I have a link to my website that you can book a free coaching consult call. It could be 15 minutes that could really just open the door for you to see the power of investing in yourself through coaching. And for my life, coaching made the Hope Station a possibility. It took a dream, it took a prayer, it took guidance that I had and it made it a reality. So let's do coaching together. I would love the opportunity to personally meet with you, hear your story, 
and show you the power of coaching in your life. So until next week, I wish you a beautiful and blessed week full of hope. And as always, thank you so much for pulling into the Hope Station. Before you leave, I have another free gift for you. What are you looking for in your life? A new career? Stepping into your purpose? Restoring passion in your everyday life? Are you ready to step into the new life God has planned for you? And he does have a plan for you. And that gift is to experience the power of coaching. Coaching helped me through my painful journey when Joe, my husband, died. Coaching eased me through this transition to move to Florida. I wasn't sure why the Lord was bringing me here and what his plans were for me. Coaching gave me clarity. Coaching was essential in making the Hope Station podcast a reality. A dream came true working with my coaches. Coaching also brought hope to hundreds of my clients who stepped into their purpose and passion and it all started with a free consult call. So schedule yours today. To schedule our Hope Chat, otherwise known as a coaching call, you can click the calendar link in the show notes or visit my website, dianebells.com. That's D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-Z.com. This coaching call could be exactly what you need to ignite a spark of hope in your life. Hope might be just one call away. Why wait? Schedule your call today.